Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Alright folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 115 today. Puerto Rico, El Yunque, and Flying Saucers with our guest Matt Tiller. Um, you can check out his uh, YouTube page below. I have the link, Tiller for Riller. And you can check us out at Patreon at patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. For $2 a month, you'll get exclusive content, interviews, and videos. Uh, also, you can check us out at Mike and Maurice MindEscape.com. And uh, we're on all social media platforms. And if you're listening on an audio uh, platform like Apple or uh, Spotify, please subscribe to our channel. And uh, we appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Matt, what's going on, bro? How are you? Hey, man. I'm doing great. How have you guys been? <clears throat> good. Good. Yeah, good. Can't complain. I mean, obviously, awesome. all the stuff that's going on out there. Um, Everybody stay safe, wash your hands. If you don't need to go places, don't. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, hide your kids, hide your wife, because they're <laughs> infecting everybody out there with <laughs> coronavirus, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's nuts. It really is. Um, I, uh, you know, saw some news pop in on, I believe it was January the 21st, about the coronavirus coming to the like the first case of the coronavirus was reported in the United States. I believe it was Oregon, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know like what what is that, you know? And uh, I went to YouTube, which is my source of knowledge, you know, right? Uh, and I didn't find anything, so I made my own video, and it you know it was very brief. It was you know, 90 seconds or a little over a minute long. And I just tried to keep it basic. And uh, I also, you know, I try not to, to focus on the fear aspect. So I ended, in my opinion, on a positive note with the only encouragement mm-hmm. that existed at that time, which was simply wash your hands, you know. And I, you know, slowly, almost two months later, uh, it's, uh, I've watched it grow and grow and grow into this, um, a pandemic that I really hoped it would not turn in to be. So, right. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate. Do I think that this is some sort of like zombie killer virus that's going to like end us all? I don't think so. Mm. No. Yeah. Um, I don't think I that think either. In it, fact, when it first hit, I was like, Oh, you know, maybe it's like, can be like SARS or yeah, if you're going to Asia or, um, maybe over to Europe, it might be kind of a, a thing, but, and yeah. then slowly it started to progress more and more and more and more. And even though it might not be as detrimental towards people in their, uh, midlife or early twenties or anything like that, uh, you could then, if you're one of those people spread it to like your grandparents or somebody that you're around, uh, that's older that might have an, a compromised immune system or they're a smoker yeah. or have diabetes or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would just Definitely. say, um, right now, until they they figure out what's going on and how to possibly slow it down, I would just say try not to 
go to any unneeded places. And um, yeah, and I don't know if did you watch the Joe Rogan interview with the epidemiologist, the guy that um, he's like one of the top epidemiologists in the world, and he's worked on all these secret programs and knows all about the stuff. And he was saying that all these people that think it's some sort of a conspiracy or it leaked or whatever. He's saying that you couldn't even dream this thing up. Nobody could make this thing. This is, this is nature. This is nature for whatever reason, creating this thing, um, to do what it's doing. So, I mean, again, that, I don't know if that's, you know, believe what you want, but if that guy's saying it, that guy studied some of the most terrible diseases that we have, I would say that, well, and, it's here. That's the bottom line. And look so at what if it we, came from bats or if it came from the government, it, it doesn't really, at this point, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. I mean, look at how we treat the earth. There's a, you know, those, some of those areas yeah. are overpopulated. You look at the way that mm-hmm. animals are treated in some cases. It's, yeah. it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. We're the only species that I've seen that treats the earth the way we do. It's almost like we we act like nature in general is bad. We complain about the heat. We complain about the cold. Um, we take trees and you know tear them down so that we can cut them up and build a house. And you know it's like we we're always trying to make the planet fit us. You know mm-hmm. I don't see any other species doing that. So if a virus is nature's way of keeping us in line or the, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it would, I would, I would would like to see our understanding of viruses and diseases 500 or even a thousand years from now. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, 500 years into the past, the, um, the world of, um, the microscopes and, uh, microbacterial organisms, things like that, uh, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. No one had any inclination, any idea that there was anything smaller than water, you know, <laughs> not that there would be actual, um, microbiology in the water. You know? Did that one astrobiologist guy come out and say to that possibly something like this could potentially be rained on us from the cosmos from some other source and if you believe yes. in panspermia and just things getting around out there i don't see why that couldn't be the case that's true in fact neil degrasse tyson has even talked about the water bear the tardigraves right the water yeah. bear, uh probably came from a like another uh, another planet or another solar system, another galaxy. Perhaps. No, he doesn't believe in aliens. He didn't say. It. <laughs> <laughs> and what a nice segue into alien talk. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> I got a book coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. To to reel reel it at home. Um, I went to the SCU conference which is the, the scientific coalition for ufology of what, what it was known as before. Hold on a second. Someone's car alarm is going off. It's not mine. So <laughs> I was wondering which I, uh, location I that was yeah, coming yeah, from. It sounds yeah. like a dog whistle on our end. It doesn't really At Maisie's house, you'll hear some journey music pumping <laughs> or Boston. <laughs> um, sometimes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Anyways. Um, not mine, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Although oh, Boston's man. okay. Yeah, Boston, man. Boston's pretty awesome, man. Close my eyes and just slipped away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, 
Yeah, I was talking about. Oh yeah, it was the SU conference last year. So, so back then there were the uh, the Scientific Coalition for uh, for Ufology, and now we are the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies. And uh, there at the conference. After um, Philippe, I, I have trouble pronouncing his last name, but he's from the European Space Agency. He spoke, and afterwards, I, I wanted to go try some of my uh, French out. Uh, you know, like mm. I, I speak a little bit of French. I yeah, probably just cool. massacred that for anyone who actually speaks French. <laughs> I mean, Kevin's and, hard um, right now. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I like that. it. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> So uh, uh, there was uh, this, um, uh, it was a guy in front of me. He's a little shorter than me. I, I'm like six one or six foot six one. He's a little shorter than me. So I, I'm not trying to say like a, like a little guy, but there was a, a shorter guy in front of me. You were lordy Who was over talking him. a mile a minute. He just, he seemed, there, there was such a sense of urgency about what he was saying. It yeah. was almost like he, he, like he couldn't get the words out fast enough. And uh, it was urgent, but he also spoke with a uh, with a Spanish accent, and like you know, so from Philippe, who has a French accent, and and uh, the Spanish name is Hector Jusino, who has a Spanish accent. Uh, I was thinking maybe Philippe doesn't understand, so I would offer to to translate. So I spoke to Hector in Spanish and just said, you know, si usted quiere, yo puedo traducir para ayudarle. You know, like, if you'd like, I can translate to help you out. And he's like, no, no, no. And, you know, he speaks back in English. And I speak to him in Spanish. He speaks to me in English. And it was, But we, we started speaking and talking. and um, But we didn't really exchange a lot of information. But I did say to him, I want to catch up with you after the conference. Um, let's exchange contact information and talk because I feel like you have something very important to say. And I'm not not real sure what it is, but let's talk. So we did. And it was, um, maybe April of 2019 mm. into May of 2019 that we began to talk and I heard Hector's story. And so since then, again, almost a year into, in, into the future now, here we are in March of 2020. Um, tomorrow I will, be coming out with the first part of these interviews that I've turned into an illustrated interview or illustrated documentary mm-hmm. and to, to explain Hector's story, to explain um, what's going on in Puerto Rico and plans for moving forward to apply real and current scientific investigation into the UFO phenomenon to have find some real answers. I think the real answers are going to surprise everybody in a good way. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You sent me a clip or like a trailer and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, you did a good job and uh, the story seems interesting for sure. Um, but I just want to point something out too. I just called Maurice Kevin and I don't think we've ever mentioned this on the show before, but Maurice's whole life, his name was Kevin. I called him Kevin. He's my cousin. I've always known him as Kevin. And then one day in his 20s or late 20s, he decides, I'm going to go to my real name, which is Maurice, which Kevin's his middle name. So I just wanted to point that out because people are probably like, who's Kevin? 
Yeah. I that you might have said it before too, but did I say that? Have I said no, that I'm saying maybe in a past episode. Oh, you're saying that I said Kevin. Like yeah, no, I just wanted to point that out though, because it seems like people are gonna be like, "Who the hell is Kevin?" Uh, That's but, pretty cool, man. Yeah, I thought Kevin was maybe like some guy assisting you all with audio or video. No, we something. should. Hey, hey, Kevin, turn us down. <laughs> we just pretend like there's a guy there. Young Kevin. <laughs> I like that. That's... Young Kevy. That's great. My alter ego. <laughs> um, but yeah, so back to your documentary. No, I, I think, um, so when you're releasing it tomorrow, you said? The first part? Yeah, tomorrow. It, it actually worked out that way. Um, tomorrow's Friday the 13th. Which mm. Oh. Um, there is a little bit, you know, as much as I don't like to capitalize on the fear or the spooky aspects of the phenomenon, simply because I think it's time to introduce a little bit of positivity. Uh, the negativity in ufology or the UAP studies has ran rampant forever, you know, as long as I think any of us can can understand or have been into the the ghost story side of, of all of that. Right. Um, I think it's time to bring, I think it's time to open up the windows, maybe repaint some of the walls and make it look nice. Uh, just, just because, you know, if, if, if something is too positive to the point that someone's going to say like, okay, for example, Alice Cooper said rock and roll, that rock and roll doesn't have a bad guy. You know, everybody was like, I mean, look at like the Beatles were wearing like suits and ties and, mm -hmm. and stuff right. and they're playing the guitars, but they, but, but they had long rebellious hair. Ah, ha ha, you know? And then, uh, you look at them later and their appearance was transformed, uh, very much and stuff. But anyways, Alice Cooper realized rock and roll doesn't have a bad guy. And that's when he, you know, started putting on the black eyeliner and, um, he was like a genius that. with the advertising because he would put a billboard saying your your parents don't want you to listen to this. I think it was in England, and that would just drive the kids definitely right to you. So that's that's the move, I think. <laughs> that's great. Um, I you know, and a revolution of uh, positivity in a platform that's already spooky on both sides. Yeah, everyone sees a UFO phenomenon as spooky. I understand that. I see it as spooky too sometimes. But even for those people who like it, it's spooky. It's on like the spooky side of like your entertainment mind, you know. And no mm -hmm. one sees a fire in the sky and laughs, right? Right. No. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not saying that we need to make fun of uh, of anything serious at all. No. But I do believe that there is room to focus on some of the positive aspects of the stories of the past, stories that are happening now. And if we can't do that, if we can't look at the past positively, if we can't look at the present positively, well, you know, for God's sake, man, can we look at the future positively? Mm -hmm. could, could we? Is there room in the, youth, the perspective of, of, of ufology? to look towards the future positively i think so but you know what do i know so anyways uh the documentary does open and i've got you know it's it's things i typically don't like to use but it's like your spooky effects your sound effects um like the um uh, christopher nolan uh, was an inception with a yeah you know it's that yeah. Way, yeah. 
I mean, so I'm kind of poking fun at myself for using that stuff, but I thought it was pretty cool. No, I mean, it's all uh, for effect. Yeah. I mean, I think that, see, I think that it depends on what it is. If it's a real story, I think those things can enhance what you've done. I think if it's some cheesy yeah. thing or it's like, okay, well, what is the stupid, you know, it's like a stupid <laughs> alien movie yeah. or something, you know, you're like, but yeah, I think that uh, from what I saw, yeah, I, I liked what I saw, you know, in terms of the way you had it laid out and um, the structure of it. I, I liked what was going on and I watch Thank a lot you. of documentaries. So um, awesome. Man. But I appreciate uh, it. yeah, I, I, it's interesting though. You were bringing up like ufology and the community. It's just, I think, what I like about when we talk to you is you're doing your own research. You're, you're putting yourself out there. You're, um, you're not going along with what, yeah, you pay attention to the, what people are talking about and like the main things and whatever, but, um, everybody hangs on like every word, every tweet, every this or that, and then they dissect it. And what they're not doing is their own research in terms of getting out there and producing something, making some sort of, connection to this thing whether it be through art or whatever um and i like that i i don't again i don't have a problem with people doing the dissecting and back and forth and tweets and all that but i just think that it gets tiresome when it's just you're hanging on every word and it's like um what are you going to be 80 and you're going to realize i spent all this time on this thing and nothing fruitful really came out of it i think what would be more fruitful is like what you're doing and um, what we try and do and is look at alternative ways, whether it be, um, making art or, um, meditating or trying to find these altered states to try and see what's going on and find the mysticism of the topic through that. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say, I appreciate what you do. I don't think there's enough people doing that kind of stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't have a problem with, with people who, um, hang on every word and stuff. And in fact, I learn from, from them. Uh, sure. So we have, we have some good people out there that, uh, are that that's their gift. That's their talent. Right. And they, uh, they can look at the words and compare reports and things like that. Um, for me, I think, um, you know, what brought me into investigating anything that you would term paranormal in the first place was my own natural sense of curiosity because I wanted it to make sense for me. And <clears throat> the first time I ever tried to investigate or, yeah, and when I say investigate, I'm, I'm talking about, again, having it make sense to me. The first time I ever tried to see if, if something I did would work to attract the UFO phenomenon I was, golly, man, I don't even remember how old I was, but I had a flashlight and I pointed it up at the sky and I would blink it like Morse code. Mm. I knew Morse code for SOS and I was trying to blink a flashlight up at the sky. Um, SOS, that's all I knew, which I mean, wasn't true. I wasn't in trouble or anything. I was in my backyard for crying out loud, but, uh, <laughs> uh, some friends were with me and they were like, I don't think it's going to work, man. And I'm like, yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. And they're like, no, it's not, you know, they're not going to see you because this little bitty flashlight for them way up there, they're in space. They can't see that. They can't see that. The street lights, you know, on our road are more bright than your little dinky flashlight. Right. And they were probably right. You need one of those military lasers. <laughs> Somebody just got arrested oh, yeah. for that recently. 
Some guy, some guy just got arrested for that recently. He was shining one of those military grade lasers at planes, and oh, they they God. they caught his ass. They like raided his like it was. They went after him hard. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, that's be something. careful, folks. Yeah, definitely uh, for real. So don't Anyways, do what yeah, Maurice got, uh, said. Uh, I didn't say do well. it. I said well, maybe I did. <laughs> I um, I used to go ghost hunting. Uh, back when I went, you know, when I got a little older and braver, I used to go ghost hunting with um some friends. And of course, this was before the age of like digital technology. So here's like some of the. I was actually going through these the other day. I posted uh, some of the the negatives. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I revealed. Like I've got this um like the, a light thing that I can put the negatives on and then there's an app and then I have my phone and uh, it's not oh, working sweet. out yeah it's not working out as well as I had hoped it would um, but I am at least able to to reproduce some of the the best pictures so what you're looking for like orbs mm-hmm. and like that kind oh of yeah stuff? the yeah the same stuff that we found before but when when we actually had them developed into real pictures you could you could see the stuff pretty well. It's just over the years, um, I've moved. Right. Um, you know, I had a, a basement flooded one time many years ago. Uh, it's just you know, heat because there was. Uh, I lived in a house that had no air, air conditioning. Mm. Uh, one of the boxes got lost. I don't know what happened to it. I had some recordings of uh, EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, this was. This was before the digital age. It was before the days of reality TV shows that would that would do things like that, like you know, ghost hunters and things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I you know, I, not I was a, a teenager at the time, but um, yeah, I used to jump the fence of a cemetery at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, you have to learn how to push that fear aside sure. you know if you're if you're in it for the scientific part if you want real evidence and you have to learn how to own those feelings and dominate them and uh there was a little peer pressure involved for dominating <laughs> those types of <laughs> little ghost in the graveyard oh uh, yeah yeah and there were um Man, I mean, there were times where I know at least two guys on two different occasions, two different areas of the state, two different circumstances, two different times that they were uh, attacked by, you know, if we're going to call it a spirit or an entity. Um, if, you know, some people will refer to them as like, a, a, you know, um, like a, an, e, an ET, like an extraterrestrial entity or extra dimensional entity. I mean, you call it a demon or you know, whatever you want to call this. Even if you are purely atheistic and you want to call it like a low level of magnetic energy or something, uh, something happened to these guys that, that caused them to actually have their body scarred for a while until the scars healed up. Um, and again, yeah. you know, not trying to to spook anybody out, not trying to, uh, you know, talking. I'm not trying to dis- discuss religious beliefs and things like that. But so there's no way I, that these guys like scratched themselves or did something to themselves. I'm, I, I'm I, no. the reason why I say that is because mm-hmm. I've never had anything like that happen. I'm not saying I haven't had weird mm-hmm. things happen, but I've never yeah. had anything like that. 
um, that just seems intense. And I sometimes when I hear those stories, I think when I think about consciousness number one, and I think about what you can do with your own mind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people too that have mental issues, underlying issues that maybe you know. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just pointing that out because mm-hmm. I think that there are cases where maybe that's schizophrenic, maybe um, they've got other stuff going on. Maybe they're looking for attention. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, I, the reason why I ask is, yeah, I mean, I have to ask just when you're doing this kind of stuff because there are a lot of charlatans. There are a lot of people make make stuff up. I'm not saying you're making stuff up. I'm saying whoever these people mm-hmm. are. You know, I was just, that's what I was curious about. So were they like upstanding researchers or were they just people you knew or? No, these were, these were people I knew. Okay. Uh, one, one was a friend of mine. One was a kid who was quite a bit younger than me, but, um, you know, uh, both of those stories are, are really long and uh, I, I don't want to stray too far away from Puerto Rico. I also don't want to get too far away from the UFO phenomenon. Sure. Um, I I could literally, like, we could do entire interviews just about those those two stories. Okay. Well, we can do that. Another, of, we'll do that another time. Uh, I'll just possibly, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just point out, um, though. Just, just take, there take are... my word for it, though, that they, they were, the, these two guys were, like, absolutely not making it up sure and if if it was a product of their own mind state say for example they were so afraid of uh that happening that it physically manifested in their body or something if that's if that's the case there are so many other details and other things that happen that are unexplained around that time it's like it that it it would have to encompass so many other aspects. It just seems highly unlikely. Sure, I gotcha. Um, I mean, I, I've had. Well, I should have mentioned this during. I don't know why I didn't tell the story when we did an episode recently where we told our own weird things that have happened to us. Um, this is actually the weirdest one, and I don't know why I didn't mention it before. But okay, so. I was in a band for a while and I was going to my drummer's house, which we had band practice a few times a week. Um, and one day, uh, I get there and he's in the kitchen. He's like, come check this out. He's like, I just want to know if I'm like seeing things or whatever. So I go in there and he's not one to like fuck around or, um, I don't know. He's just not the type of person. He's not a prankster. Yeah, he's not like a prankster type. I mean, he jokes around, but he's not like going to, he's not like trying to get scares or laughs or anything like that. But so he's like, come check this out. So I go in there and then in his kitchen, he's got a ceiling fan attached to like one of those light setups kind of a thing. You know, a lot of people have them in their house. Um, It was off. This was during the daytime. Um, All the windows and everything were open. I see two little orbs circling around the thing um and two days earlier one of his best friends had just died um in the mountains of colorado like not even near there or whatever but so i see these or and i'm thinking like sweet i'm like let's close these shades let's try and this is an optical illusion of some sort let's figure what's going on here 
we tried everything. I mean, we turned the lights on, we turned them off, we closed the shades, we covered all the reflective surfaces. We've mm. literally went through were the whole... Were they 3D or like a flat? No, no, they reflection. were th- 3D. They were like little, I don't know, like the size of a dime size of like or uh-huh. there was two of them and they were both like circling around now we were only five miles from the naval base in chicago if um up north in the suburbs so that's not that f- we weren't that far from a naval base but this was just a really weird thing hold on hold on one second yeah no hey. problem Yeah, that's interesting, Mike, because uh, we were filming can, some stuff. Go, I, I got it. Go, go take care of your business. Okay, I'm so sorry. You're fine. You're fine. No problem, brother. Um, so I'll continue my story, though. So we we tried everything to figure out what was going on with, um, in terms of, was there uh, some sort of reflective thing? Was it one of, I mean, we, were, we had instruments around, but we covered, like, the drums. Like, there was just, it was just so weird, and... You know, we normally partake, and we might hit the pipe a couple times before practice, but I, I, we hadn't hit it yet, and I had just come from work. So I was in kind of a sobering state of mind, if you will, just had to sit, you know, on a decent amount of drive to get there. So I don't know. It was just really, really weird, and I completely forgot about it, but um, that might be— Did they go away eventually? Yeah, or? they did. They they went away. They they just like, like how do they go away? They just disappear. They just like they when they circled the one time around. I just remember not seeing it come back around the. You know what I'm saying? Because there's like those ceiling fan things. They have like the bulb that hangs under the ceiling fan part. The, these orb things were circling around it. So again, could it have been something reflecting? Sure, but we took all the we we literally went through and kind of tried to figure out systematically what this could have been and we never did and um at the time i wasn't i don't know i thought it was weird but i'm like i don't know i didn't really think too much about it but then later on i was like that was really weird and the fact that he just had somebody close to him that he knew die recently and um i don't know yeah we were filming that episode with dogan and murphy when we were actually in uncle john's office i captured an orb I'll yeah. have to pull this thing out. Maybe we can highlight it. But again, when I'm working with film, you have lenses, you have light coming in and all the well, different you're directions. Professional, I didn't... You're a professional photographer, so you know artifacts. This stuff. thing came in and swept through it. It was a little flying thing. I, I don't know if it was a bug. I don't know what it was, but you'll have to remind me and maybe I can highlight it and we can actually show it to some people and maybe the, get some feedback on it. But Was it during the wintertime? Um... I'll have to go. It was when we were filming the episode one of Dogan and Murphy. I have timestamps on some of that stuff, so I can go back and check. But the only reason but, why I again, asked that is if it was during wintertime, I don't see there being any of those like flying moth or flying kind of bugs, that, kind of a thing. Right, right. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know what this thing was. So, do I believe that orbs are are weirdness? For sure. Do I think I know what they are? Could they be spirits? Could they be UFO related? I I don't know. I just know that that's the weirdest experience I had. Um, And if it was a trick, it was one of the best tricks because, again, we went through systematically and tried to figure out how this was doing this. It was just, it was almost like something out of a movie or something. Didn't like Thomas Jefferson report something like that? 
Thomas Jefferson? He was the first, yeah. Tom, Thomas Jefferson was the first person to report a UFO sighting in the new United States, I believe, or at least what one that was talked about with other people. That's pretty cool. I think mm. Jeremy Corbell said that Christopher Columbus uh, witnessed a UFO. Yeah, there was the a few UFOs the off the coast of uh, North America, I believe, when he got over here. And to segue into Puerto Rico, that's uh, that's the same type of phenomenon that they witnessed there. Um, there, uh, these, there are these lights that appear underwater, and they come out of the water, and they'll go up into the sky. They will appear in the sky, and they'll come down to the water, go under the water, and then sometimes they come back up. And if you look at the... Um, the <clears throat> Department of Homeland Security uh, thermal video, you know, surveillance that they got from a, one of the airports out of Puerto Rico near a place called Aguadilla. It looks like it looks like Aguadilla, but it's Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. Uh, there's a report on the SCU website called Aguadilla UAP. If you look at that thermal thermal imaging. Um, you see this light appear, and it uh, stopped air traffic there at the airport at the time it appeared. It may have had a FedEx flight stalled because of the radar reports and the returns coming in. And it went across the city, crossed over the airport, uh, was going down towards the ocean water, hovered over the water for a little bit, hit the water at 100 miles an hour. And then it slowed down a little bit, and it when it hit, it had little to no splash. Then it, when it came back up, all of a sudden, almost like mitosis, it splits in two. And then you have two, <laughs> you know, if one was a copy or if one was uh, what's called gravitational lensing, which is um, like an effect you see in astrophysics where the light, right, where the will, light bends around. Split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the, you know, if, if this thing was a UFO, as the way we're beginning to understand them scientifically, and if this UFO or UAP um, uses gravity or electro, electromagnetism somehow to, to fly or operate, or like Bob Lazar said with the gravity wave emitters and gravity wave amplifiers, if if that was causing such a distortion in relative space time or local space time or whatever you want to call it, man, is that what caused the the light ref to bend or to refract or whatever? I don't know, but that's the type of phenomenon they're seeing down there. You know, it's like when I come to learn through researching Hector's story and researching other phenomenon in Puerto Rico in general, is it's almost like a microcosm of the United States or things that are happening here. So what are, what are some phenomena that we have here? We've got um, the U.S. National Park Service and that school of thought and those stories with uh, like Missing 411, for example. You know, uh, great stories, great research by um, uh, Dave. I can never pronounce his name correctly. Um, they've Paulides. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. Um, really great guy. Uh, very dedicated, 
thorough and consistent. Yeah, I think there's a I've documentary on Netflix missing 411, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, lots of it. Um, so you've got where we've got the um, National Park Service and missing 411 in the United States. In Puerto Rico, they have El Yuque, which is the only rainforest owned by the U.S. National Park Service. And coincidentally, strange phenomenon are happening there as well. There are reports of people who have gone missing there. There are reports of, um, like, some type of cavern or a hole or a space opening up in in the middle of the mountain and then, like, a UFO flying out of it. And then a Mm. UFO flying back in. There are reports of the Yunque. What's the history of El Yunque? Like, what's the... Is there, before the U.S. involvement, is there, like, sacred, um, yeah. you know, yes. like, is, is there mentions of it in terms of, like, more of the cultural uh, aspects of Puerto Rico and no U.S. involvement? Or did all this begin when, obviously, it's a territory or part of our um, uh, country in terms of uh, territory? So what, what, do you, what do you think there? Again, just as with the stories of the United States in which we have accounts of Native Americans that seem to have encountered unexplainable phenomenon or, for lack of better terms, UFOs, you've got the same thing in Puerto Rico. You've got the uh, Taino Indians, and you know I don't like to use that word, but the indigenous people or the, 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 the Taino people um, who inhabited the island of Puerto Rico, and some of their earliest drawings have these mythical-looking little uh, creatures. Some of them that look just like some of the, the like like an alien gray, for mm. example. It looks like the, just the classic aliens that we're accustomed to seeing drawn in some of the like uh, Bandelier canyons out to New Mexico, for example. And they. Um, referred to um these little creatures that that's that seems to be the same type of entity that hector and his friends encountered when they went to go camping in el yunque uh, national forest it's these um they're about four feet tall they're skinny they um do not appear to be anatomically correct they do not have big eyes they don't have a particularly larger head out of proportion than their body, but they're they're muscular. They're skinny, but they're they're ripped. Like they got like a six pack. They got like a cut chest, you know. But they're skinny. Their arms hang down to their knees. They have a pointy tail and they have pointy ears, almost like bat ears, and that their eyes um, look like animal eyes, but that they stand upright like a human would. And that they're um, sounds their like the uh, the goblin or those uh, Hopkinsville or is that not Hopkinsville? Yes, and like uh, Hellier and like all that kind of stuff. Yes, I've I've not seen Hellier, but um, I've heard you people should talk watch Hellier is pretty good. Yeah, as people keep telling me, I need to see. I it. mean, I'm <laughs> not really into the go- it's I'm not into like the ghost stuff per se. It's not that I I don't believe in any of it or whatever. It's just that's just mm-hmm. not my expertise. It's not something that I'm that fascinated with. Uh, but they they kind of spin it into the whole UFO things or possibly aliens or some sort of subterranean thing going on. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely worth checking out if you have not already. I didn't think I w- I went in thinking what's what's the hype about this, and then I watched it. Um, it's well put together. Um, the people seem 
genuine in what they're doing. So yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend people check it out. Cool. Yeah, I need to check it out too. Um, uh, back back to Hector. Uh, he's so describe um, these little creatures. That's where. Oh we're... yeah, yeah. Their uh, their hands are like almost like uh, like they they have like uh, like fat nubby fingers with a nail, and then that would be and then they would have like a hoof, mm. al- almost like a hoof. But like four nubbins or something, and that would be like their their hand, and then their feet are much the same way. Their tail is almost like a like a kangaroo tail, but it is pointy. And uh, at one point, Hector said like um, that they he actually got a really close up look at one of these things. So let me write it down for you real quick. And I, I say real quick, and then I speak for fifteen minutes about the flavor of popcorn. What anyways what is the so when he uh, so is there any chance it could be some sort of like muta- mutated or deformed monkey because they have monkeys in, in Puerto Rico um, po- possibly but they've appeared in quantity and there are other reports um, again let me just um, I'll just I'll hit the highlights for you sure so um, you know just as in many cases with the with the phenomenon that we have in the United States um, Hector's 12. He's at a uh, church camp outdoors. It's, uh, the, the Presbyterian church, even to this day in Puerto Rico, has this uh, this church camp, this outdoor church camp. And he's outdoor with other kids about his age, teenage folks, you know, and they're uh, praying. And all of a sudden, up in the distance, the, somebody yelled, what's that? And they notice that there's this little blue light that looked like a star and it, it was getting closer. It got bigger. It was getting bigger. And then it, uh, it came to where it was just right in their presence. And it appeared to this like big, big orb. And, um, you know, there was, there's some other details there you need to check out, but Hector, the, like he, the, the takeaway from this experience was that he felt he had a mission from God, especially when the, the older folks came like after the event was, all over that's then that's when the adults are alerted to you know something's happening and they're on the scene to, to interpret what right. they didn't actually see but yeah, i don't fault any adults for doing that at that time and um so then he always thought i've got this mission i've got this mission from god and he prayed about it a lot and stuff so flash forward about four years uh he has some friends are on like uh like a like a three-day weekend or so like um when they didn't maybe they didn't have school or something on a friday or or, or whatever it might have been but they were going to go camping uh near el yunque national forest like uh part of the national park area there has beach too and uh, i've actually been to el yunque it's a beautiful place so um when i was there you know not not too terribly long ago um i looked out and i could see the atlantic uh right from the the vantage point that that we're at and so uh i got some pictures i suppose some of those anyways um so they're on the beach and then they decide hey uh let's let's see if we can go up to the highest point of el yunque and let's camp somewhere around there so they got in their SUVs or like Jeeps, I guess. I'm kind of like an SUV today. 
and they're driving, you know, they, they uh, found a ranger station. They really couldn't find a place to stay. They did had not brought any tents because this was a last minute decision. They had not planned to go camping. And they're just thinking, you know, while we're here, instead of just sleeping out on the beach, uh, let's, let's, let's go see what we can find. They found a ranger station and they were going to put their, like park their cars close together, put a tarp over the cars and sleep under this, uh, awning from the ranger station. Well, they were getting this set up and some, he and a couple of other guys thought, you know, we're going to go to, um, like, uh, where some pathways cross and they're going to cook. There's like some grills and stuff. Well, one of them saw something move in the shadows. And then they, they, you know, Hector asked for a flashlight and they shined it and they see this, this one of these creatures. So if it's one mutated monkey, I understand that it mm-hmm. might be the case, but this thing went, I mean, like darted off super fast and broke branches. It left a path of broken branches everywhere it ran. Uh, the, the, what do you got to understand about the rainforest? If anyone uh, listening has never hiked through the rainforest, you can't just sick. Yeah, it's dense. Oh, you need a machete. Yeah, oh yeah. Or the man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need what's his name? There what's the is... guy's real name? You need him to to clear it out for you. Uh, what's machete's <laughs> real name? Or uh... I don't even know. But uh, yeah, man, it's like uh, it's crazy though. It really is. It's a totally different world. In the rainforest, you've got life upon life upon life upon life. You have a tree growing up from the ground, the green grass grow all around, not really. You've got trees and roots and stuff and everything growing on the ground. And then you've got um, moss growing up this tree. And then from there, you've got a bug living on the moss. And then something comes and sweeps and eats the bug away. And then, there's, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely insane at any rate. Um, you've uh, hold on one second, man. I'm so sorry, I keep getting interrupted. Um, but uh, what's up, Kevin Maurice? Not much, yeah. I mean, if he's saying something darted through there, it obviously knew how to navigate through the thick, lush brush. Yeah, again, it could be an animal, though, of some sort, it could be some identified, unidentified animal. True, because there is a ton of stuff in that rainforest that still hasn't even been found yet. I mean, look, there's people that still talk about the chupacabra. I think the chupacabra is probably some sort of coyote with mange or something like that. But here we go. Here we go. There's more. There's more. Hector has been very guarded with his story. And when he first started coming out with it, this incident happened in... uh, 1973 um this incident coincides with something in the history of ufology that's called the 1973 ufo flap and uh have you guys heard about that no i had not jock delay could probably tell you more about the ufo flop uh ufo flap um in 1973 there was this sudden increase and UFO sightings that also came with strange creatures. So, like, that was the year in ufology where you've got creatures and weird-looking animal folks and UFOs for some reason in 1973. 
So when this happened, and uh, if you if you saw the uh, the illustrations I had in the beginning, if you were able to to pause the uh, the video and and get a good look um, at this this creature here uh, or creatures, um, that is um, what people began to call the chupacabra and the reason that we know the word or know the name chupacabra today is because of hector's story and other people who were witnessing the same type of um, strange encounter in puerto rico at that time it was actually a puerto rican comedian who was joking around about these these creatures calling them chupacabras because just like again We've got stuff in the United States. Everything that's happening here is also happening in Puerto Rico. We've got mutil- we've got cattle mutilations. In 1973, they had goat mutilations. Same stuff. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fascinating, and I always yeah. think too, like what are we capable of, and like uh, in terms of our government or different programs and stuff like that. Because, do you watch uh, on the History Channel that Project Blue Book show? I have. I I think it's pretty good, actually. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that uh, the point of the show is to keep you hanging on, obviously, but um, it's even the Skinwalker Ranch episode. If that's real, which according to the documents it says that they were the gas, emitting the gases, that makes sense. That's what was happening with the Oracle um, or the Oracles of Greece, you know, the Oracle of Delphi, all that. These women would inhale these fumes from the earth and have these psychedelic experiences and see things. I'm not saying that explains all the, the weird stuff that's happened, but if you're telling me that the gas, that's what they were, our, our programs were intentionally doing to people to induce these things, then it makes you wonder what really is going on there. If is it some sort of, um, training ground or yeah are they experiments or you know trying to figure out what's going on or there's um there's a lot of connections to be made uh sorry with what you just said um i i tend to get excited and wordy like when when i'm talking about stuff and i apologize if i've not been clear um so the reason that we know what a chupacabra is or the reason that we even have that name chupacabra is because of it it came from puerto rico i always thought it came from mexico Hmm. and i you know a lot of people i know also have thought it comes from mexico it actually comes from it originated in puerto rico and um if you watch the um the the it's i don't remember which which one it was but when i did the interview with dave falch uh, the FLIR camera technician, in fact, yeah. he works with FLIR cameras. Um, I was joking around with him and said, like, you know, is it a balloon? Is it a bird or whatever? And I said, well, then I guess it's a uh, chupacabra. And he said, oh, well, no, that would be uh, Puerto Rico. And at that time, I'd, I'd been talking with Hector and got my my own facts in order and found out that the chupacabra actually originates from Puerto Rico. And that's why on the recording you hear me say, you're right. You are exactly right. It is Puerto Rico. Good job, you know. Um, 
and that's you know goes back to to all of, of this phenomenon. It was a Puerto Rican comedian that used the word chupacabra to make fun of this phenomenon because chupacabra means goat sucker. Yeah. And he was saying, why are we going to have, you know, if we're going to have aliens to come visit our planet, why are they going to come and suck our goats? I, I mean, that sounds disgusting and that's not what I mean. <laughs> that's but what I do every know. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I walked into that one. That's not what I mean at all. But, but that's, that's what that means in Spanish, you know, chupa, Chupar to suck and uh, cabra goat. So chupacabra is a goat. Mm. Anyways, um, that's not what these animals were. Uh, so Hector's been very guarded with his story. He came out with his story to some Canadian filmmakers and they put his story in with other stories about similar phenomenon and what actually sounds like chupacabras that were sucking in blood of animals um, until they were like completely dry. You know, the, all the blood was gone or just their ears were removed or like, you know, the same stories you've heard before, just the d- ventricle from the aorta or whatever was removed. And then that's it. There's like the surgical scars of bleeding, all that kind of stuff. And then they put the word chupacabra in Hector. They, they made it sound like that's what Hector had said. He never said that. So they mischaracterized his story and then this documentary hit the travel channel. And uh, to be honest, he felt uh, that he had, he had been misrepresented and his story had been mischaracterized. He felt like maybe there was a little bit of uh, betray- betrayed trust from, uh, from these guys, these filmmakers. And uh, so he stopped. He stops going public with the story. He stops sharing it. He he was a member of MUFON for a while. He was a field investigator. He uh, was uh, he joined the United States Army. He's an Iraq Iraq veteran. Um, I mean, he he Hector's really got a, a phenomenal repertoire of experiences. You know, uh, life experiences and experiences with the phenomenon. But moving on, uh, they see this thing run away. It leaves us bro- these broken branches. So then they, they're teenagers. They got kind of spooked, and they were laughing and, and stuff. And one of his friends said, well, it must be their wildcats. And there's nothing that big on the island of Puerto Rico that can run that fast. And there are no wildcats on the island like a tiger or a cougar or something. But they just were like, okay, you know, whatever, it, Wildcats it is. And they went about their evening. Uh, later, they tried to go to sleep and um, under the awning of the ranger station. And for whatever reason, bats just swarmed in, man, from everywhere. And were just invaded their, their territory and they, they were forced to leave. So they're driving down the mountain and these roads are, are narrow, and they're only going about 15 or 20 miles an hour. And uh, then they turn a curve, and the headlights are pointed right to three of these creatures that are standing on the side of the road. And then, so they're like, oh, crap. They're like, what's going on? And they're, but where else are they going to go? They can't back up the mountain. So they keep driving, and Hector's in the passenger seat up front, and he's pat, they're, you know, passing by like this and Hector got a really close up look 
a real, real close-up look at what these creatures looked like. And as he was saying the phrase, what is that? As he's like looking at the creature, you know, face to face, the next thing he knows, he wakes up and they are 12 miles away beside a baseball field, not on the mountain. So how did he, he doesn't know how he got there. Nobody knows. No, no. He said, uh, he said that when they, that when he was one of the first to wake up and he said like nobody was talking. It was like, uh, he says, it's like when you wake up from surgery and you've been given anesthesia, you're just kind of like, Whoa, like you're kind of like in a daze, not, not, not drugged. You know, I don't want anyone to make that assumption. Um, it wasn't a medicinal or a substance induced. It was just like you wake up and you're like, just kind of in a, in a fog, like, where am I? How did I get here? As anybody may do if you wake up and you don't know where you are, you know? Right. Uh, that's logical, logical. So he said it's like no one, no one really, everyone was so confused. It was like maybe him and just like, uh, like, like there, there were four of them in, in this one particular uh, vehicle. So then um, the police are coming. And they're in like a like a neighborhood area, but they're right beside a wall near a baseball field. And you know, Puerto Rico, um, a lot of Latin American countries, you know, the most popular sport is soccer, but in Puerto Rico, the most popular sport baseball. is baseball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also Cuba and the, the the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, I think Nicaragua too. At any rate, um, so. In Puerto Rico, you know, they're beside this, uh, this baseball field, so that's a, a common thing. And uh, the police officer comes and just basically wants to know, like, what they're doing and, and says you can't sleep here, basically. Like, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't suggesting that they were doing anything wrong, but they're looking out for their safety. He recognizes that they're young kids and they're not doing anything bad but he says this is not a safe area you can't stay here and they decide to go back up the mountain and uh so they do that and um uh i i will let the rest of the the documentary kind of speak for itself but they're you know that those are the the main highlights for the the typical types of stories that people are interested in in the ufo phenomenon what comes next after you get past the you know what happened in the 1970s and things like that is you're going to see and hear hector give his own opinions and thoughts of things he's experienced in his life as he continues upon his quest for answers which is why i call the documentary a quest for answers the hector Ducino story this man doesn't stop and I admire him for that. I really do. He recognizes that, you know, has, believing he had this mission from God led him to see the UFO phenomenon in a different light. And he says that that experience led him to, to become an atheist. And I, I, will, uh, I, I respect Hector for his beliefs because he has researched it and he knows that that's what he believes. 
and you know I'm not atheist. So, so he became I, an I atheist from, from the experience, yeah. or he was an atheist before, and now he's believes in God. No, he he grew up believing he had this mission from God. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so the, it was this experience that led him to be a non-believer. So well, wouldn't um, that maybe not, enhance his beliefs and say maybe yeah, this is some sort of weird experience, but it just shows me that there's magic out there there's something more mystical to life than just i would think that that would be the case but what what i mean without divulging too much i know you don't want to give your whole Mm -hmm. thing away what what would be the why is his train of thinking that to go the opposite way after experiencing something bizarre like that because he began to sign for for hector the only explanations the only real solid explanations that he found came through science. Hmm. Nothing that explained this phenomenon to him had anything to do with a religious structure or religious beliefs or interpretations. In fact, one thing he does, he, he says is uh, that when he was younger, he, he, he didn't understand his mission from God, and so he thought the reason I don't understand my mission from God is because I don't read the Bible enough. So he began to read the Bible more, and he didn't understand anything in what he was reading. But after he had the, these experiences in this encounter in El Yunque, uh, he began to read the Bible, and he began to understand, or he be, I'll say he, he began to he came to the belief, no pun intended, he came to the belief <laughs> or the interpretation that the people in the Bible were having encounters with extraterrestrial phenomena, aliens, UFOs, or, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I mean, you know, Secret Machines, uh, Volume 1, God's Man of War talks talks about the same thing. If oh, you want, yeah. And I and I, I recognize other um, investigators and researchers and even theologians have discussed the exact same thing. You know, I, the, those ideas are not unique to Tom DeLonge and Peter Lavenda. They're not unique to Hector. Uh, a lot of people have thought that. I mean, I don't think any, you know how I've, we've talked about this at the other times you've been, I don't think any of this stuff's really physical. I think it's all based on your consciousness, playing off your consciousness of in some way, I don't know what that that is, but um, tuned into a different frequency. Yeah, I mean, look perhaps. at you can go on. You want to talk to somebody that met aliens yesterday? You go on to any DMT forum or um, Irwids and read the trip reports or whatever the case may be, and people are having psychedelic experiences and talking with entities almost every single day. And on top of that, uh, meditation and. You look at some of the ancient religions and its correlations to meditation, psychedelics, altered states of some sort or another. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that there is some sort of connection to uh, the phenomenon based based in science. I don't think science cares that much about these subjects, so I don't think that there's really enough scientific research that is looking into it other than, the the obviously, the recent uh, psychedelic... Um, renaissance that's going on and the the research that you see going on with that but um in terms of ufos and 
what's the scientific explanation? I mean, yeah, you have SETI and stuff like that, but they don't really care to believe the gimbal video or the go fast video. They're not looking at that, I'm sure. And if they are, they probably think mm-hmm. it's nonsense. So, um, yeah, I think all, it, it comes down to is, um, this religious connection and the spiritual connection and, um, does it, is it our mind manifesting some sort of like, um, are we creating this, this connection in terms of the way we think about it and maybe it's completely different and that's just based on our perceptions or the dogmas that we've learned growing up or whatever the case may be, kind of like a Jacques Fillet, Passport to Magnolia, that this thing's putting on different masks and inter, inter, uh, uh, interacting with us in different ways based on what we want it to be. So if you're a super religious person, maybe you have a crazy experience with Jesus or God or whatever. If you're into UFOs, maybe you encounter a gray or some sort of alien being. If you're into, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, ghosts, maybe you see a ghost. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, that's the way I think about it. And I'm, I'm not dismissing the fact that there could be physical aliens or obviously the universe is infinitely vast. It, there could be Mm-hmm. billions of billions of civilizations out there for all we know i'm simply saying that when i talk to people we've interviewed enough people we've talked with a lot of people so far um and doing my own research watching videos it's it's for me it's i'm taking people at their word but the things that they describe it doesn't seem like i'm sitting here right now we're having a conversation and an alien just walks up i i've yet to 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 believe somebody that claims that based on the way they're talking about it, the evidence that they, to support it, that kind of stuff. Uh, has that ever happened? I don't think so. But again, I think well, when you look at <clears throat> lucid dreaming and, and that in and, and altered states of consciousness and uh, people being in different uh, wavelengths, I think that that's when that stuff happens, in my opinion. Um, you know, I can't... Uh, I... This is all I can say um, regarding any type of picture or photograph or video of what we might call an extraterrestrial intelligent being. I can't tell you 100%, but I suspect that in the skinwalker documentary that's about to come out on the history channel that you're going to see something like that see something like what um something okay like for like example physical evidence have, or yeah okay uh, interesting i mean i know stephen um, greer part of the ce5 stuff stephen greer's got supposedly a picture of what he would call an extraterrestrial or some sort of being that one yeah. of his people around them captured or something like that. And then just watch, I'm just going to tell you everybody watch the skin, watch the skinwalker documentary. I, I don't have anything to do with it. I don't have anything to do. I'd like, I, you know, I don't, I, I have nothing. I'm not, he's got know, no skin in the game. If you will. <laughs> yes. I have no skin in the game. <laughs> I have no walker in the game either. <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> I mean, I watched the Jeremy Corbell Skinwalker documentary, and uh-huh. um, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't 
bad. Like it was well put together. It just yeah. wasn't really that was that, good. It was good. It just um, wasn't. I didn't see anything that compelling. Like I didn't think it was as good uh, as the Lazar documentary. Because whether you believe Lazar yeah. or not, that documentary is pretty darn compelling in terms of. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Definitely. maybe do without the um, the Mickey Rourke. What the hell are they doing up there in the in the background throughout the whole thing? But other than that, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought Mickey was all right. No, I like Mickey Rourke. I just thought that was, it was like a funny, like, it's like almost like a funny uh-huh. element, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, like, yeah, I wasn't yeah. taking it seriously, oh. you know? I've... It was yeah. a little too deep for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are um, they doing up there? That's, um, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a series. Um, I heard from someone. Then uh, I mean I can't put this down to actual numbers, but I heard that the History Channel received around 200 pitches for series uh, last year, and they accepted two. And the Skinwalker docu series that's about to start is one of them, uh, one of the two they picked. And uh, so I I'm just going to highly suggest that everybody watch it and check it out because I am. Uh, in my personal opinion, I believe we're going, I highly believe we're going to see something um, very compelling, so, some, t- some new type of evidence uh, that if you're going to see on camera, whether it's a video or a picture or something, you're going to see something that's not been seen in a you know UFO genre a documentary or series before that that's that's reality based not not you know blue book or or something that's sci-fi right you know but something that's like purely reality based um so yeah watch it but i'm just but again watch, I, I want to bring it back it. i want to bring this back to the point though like do you believe that these things are physical and or do you believe that there's both physical non-physical or, I mean, where, where do you stand? I mean, I'm not going to hold you to it, but, like, currently, based on all your research and all the stuff that you've done, do you think it's more likely than not that it's more physical or non-physical, or do you think that they exist together? Right, I'm going I'm to say like this. I can look around the room I'm in right now, and I can tell you everything I see, right? And I can say that what I see here is um, is physical, but then, uh, not too long ago, I got this neat little contraption. It's a, a FLIR camera for a smartphone, right? Yeah. And so with this little FLIR camera for a smartphone, I can see things that are physical that I can literally wave my hand through or buy or I can breathe it in or I can look right at it and I can't even see it's there, right? And so I believe that in the phenomenon we're dealing with things that are physical and that we all that we cannot see. I mm. also believe that whereas all right look um Puerto Rico has had around 1000 earthquakes or they've had they've had over 1000 earthquakes since December of 2019 and now. Right. Over 1000 and subsequently their UFO sightings have skyrocketed. Now, over the summer, if you watch the Contact uh, series, there's some evidence to suggest that the UFO phenomenon and earthquakes or natural disasters are related somehow. If you saw Unidentified Season 1, you see some happenings in Italy that suggest a UFO 
might have caused some earthquakes there. There's also evidence to suggest there was UFO activity that caused earthquakes in Mexico, or they perhaps were observing the earthquakes in Mexico. Well, let, let me ask you this. Right. Let me stop you right there. Uh, You're a man okay. of science. I'm a man of science. We uh -huh. both love science, but we also love some of the woo-woo stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, anytime that there's these gases that escape the ground, it causes mm -hmm. ma it can cause mass hallucinations. It can cause hallucinations. There can be a lot of different. And I'm not saying that even if there is a hallucination, that it means that it's not there. Maybe you're mm -hmm. exposed to it, and maybe the pareidolia has been stripped off, and you can see things that you normally wouldn't be able to see. But my mm -hmm. point is, this correlation with earthquakes could it, could the correlation be based on we're ingesting um, gases? that are causing us to see these things or maybe there's some sort of physical process happening that we're not aware of where then you see lights in the sky or whatever the case may be. I'm just asking you again, I, I want to look at all sides of these things because uh -huh. if you don't ask questions, you, you just become one of these people that believes anything anybody says and where does that get you? So I, I, of course we're going to ask some of the hard questions. I want to know what you think based on, the research that you've seen in like again i mentioned the skinwalker and that the government was pumping gas out of the ground and these people are inhaling it and causing hallucinations so all right cool yes and yes okay to both i believe that the that the earthquakes are releasing gas and this, this is something hector told me okay hector hector believes that a lot of these lights in the sky and these orbs and even the light they saw that was the star that came and appeared and began shooting rays everywhere all over the church people and stuff he believes that was ionized gas now if you look on the electromagnetic spectrum ionization happens towards the high end and you can see those things to a certain degree if this is ionized gas it can it can appear like uh sometimes look there's one time before i did the interview with steve justice from to the stars academy um they had had a schedule conflict and had to cancel and i didn't hear from them for a while and i knew they were busy but in the back of my mind i'm thinking okay you know who is the least professional? Me. Well, they've changed their mind. They've moved on. They found someone else to do the story. And so I was a little down on myself. I went outside just to kind of look at the night sky, as I do quite often. I looked up. Dude. I mean, just like this huge flash of light. Mm -hmm. Like, just like you see on the TR3B in Paris, France, you know, with the night vision and uh, Tom DeLonge showed it on Joe Rogan with his, his interview where like you got this big flash of light and then all of a sudden it's just gone, right? That's what I saw. And I was like, dude, oh my gosh, you know. So one of two, was it ionized gas? Definitely maybe. <laughs> was it to the Stars Academy trying to, uh, that's again, back in my creative id you know, that wants to believe every story, wants to just, you know, find connections where there are no connections, you know. Um, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, could this be the uh, the secret agenda that To The Stars Academy already has their own secret space program, and this is their way of winking at me, saying, don't be down, buddy. We're looking after you. You know, it, it was Al put off flying a TR-3B over my house. But, like, 
I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it. Um, was it the military from one of the Air Force bases that, that could be in my state or, or a surrounding state um, doing practices? Because uh, I'm out in close to like a, a rural area with eight acres and acres and acres of woodland yeah. and stuff. That's possible, too. Um, or, you know, ionized gas. Uh, could have been someone playing a prank, someone that knew I was interested in the UFO phenomenon and that I check out the night sky from time to time and just waited until I was outside to where they fly a drone up and blow it up or something. I don't know. But I, I will tell you, Hector believes um, that a lot of the UFO sightings are ionized gas and that he uh, talks about the Far- Faraday cage being and uh, with the, the scientist's last name, Faraday, I forget mm-hmm. his first name, um, that he uh, was able to give people experiences with God and cause them to see what they what they said was God after he exposed them to electromagnetic frequencies and electromagnetic radiation, which would also come with ionization, which is on the high end of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah. So I this is what I believe, and this is what I'm pushing for. I believe that we're going to find a lot of scientific explanations that could tell us why we have mental illness epidemics across the United States and across <laughs> other countries in the world. And I think it could have something to do with electromagnetic shifts uh, from the tectonic plates under the earth. That's something that we're only beginning to understand. I also think that when we begin to understand that science, we may maybe we'll be able to find that among 5% of all of these cases, let's keep it small, 5% could possibly have an extra dimensional or an extraterrestrial origin, Hmm. like an an intelligence behind it, or possibly a byproduct. Let's say, for example, um, this is... This is the UFO that came, you know, and here it is. And they have no idea that they, when they enter my atmosphere or my world, that they're causing these electromagnetic um, distortions or that they are disturbing anything electromagnetic. Or if they do understand that, maybe they don't know that the human brain is a lot more sensitive than we think to external electromagnetism mm. we're, we're a lot more sensitive to it that, that, than we think but you know uh, maybe they don't know that so maybe they come in contact with us and we're fine I mean likewise uh, it's only been within the past 20 or 30 years that that humans have understood the way we treat our planet is harming nature and harming ecosystems and harming the animals we had no idea that we were doing those things. So is it possible that when this little UFO comes into to my world or atmosphere or sphere of being that they don't know that they're harming me and my family? That's possible too. That's what I think. So I think that to sum it all up concisely, there's a scientific explanation for the vast majority and there is a ex- extraterrestrial or a um, 
ufological explanation or okay for a paranormal explanation for a small percentage or perhaps uh perhaps not half but one third of the percentage or you know one fourth of the percentage Mm -hmm. 25 percent 33 percent but i do think that there's an extraterrestrial or an extra dimensional or a paranormal cause for at least some of it but if we don't do the science first we lose in both ways we have no foundation for the scientific of understanding of the paranormal nor do we have a scientific foundation for understanding the science and I that's mean, yeah, the worst the, that's the worst the, yeah that's the, the paranormal I mean, we have parapsychology and then for the yeah. ufo stuff you have U- ufologists and stuff like that but you got to be careful. I mean, there's even within the ufologists, there's so many people that are trying to sell books and um, mm-hmm. tell you they got all the answers and this is what this is and this is what that is. In my heart of hearts from studying this and listening to people talk hundreds of hours of interviews and reading things and reading books and uh, listening to podcasts, I don't think we have any idea what's going on and i don't think that people <laughs> at the top know what's going on and i think that I that's why we are i think that they know that there's something weird but they don't know what it is and they don't know how to interact with it and i think that that's the game right it's who can be mm-hmm. the first person to implement this into whether it's helping the united states or helping humanity or furthering our um our, our progress as a species and stuff. So I think that there's a lot invested in this because if, let's just say that hypothetically there, this is all some sort of weirdness or UFOs or whatever, then it, it's beneficial to be the first person to connect or interact with this thing on, on a level never seen before. Not just, hey, you saw me, I saw you kind of a thing, but let's, mm-hmm. let's figure this thing out. Let's have some sort of communication. Um, so I, I, the race to do that is is almost like a, a, an arms race in a way. Um, but I, I have a plan to get it done. I actually have a group of twelve ready to go uh, right now. If we could find, yeah. if we if I could secure the funding and uh, a, uh, a, a a supporter, I've reached out to um, at least. Um, I, I'm talking with, uh, I, I've been talking with different contacts I have that are affiliated with production companies that do work with networks and, uh, nice. you know, been trying to, to come at it in a positive way. And, uh, I had a real good conversation with some producers who make some series that, that are real popular right now and have made series that uh, are popular in the past, the recent past. And I have a lot, dude, like these guys are so much more accomplished than me. <laughs> and, uh, and I love their work. I mean, I really do like, you know, before I even knew who they were, I was, I was fans of their work. And, um, I, it was, I was humbled to be able to speak with them. It was, I consider it a privilege just to be able to talk with them on the phone. I told them a little bit about Puerto Rico and what was going on there because it still seems to me that the networks are focused on um, shocking new evidence, newly declassified information, you know, those kinds of things. But that's what sells. 
that's what people are flocking to. And look, why does that sell? Because that's what people are interested in. Mm. The only way to sell anything else is, you know, when people become interested in something else. But until people become interested in something else, then those things aren't going to sell. At any rate, um, I, I kind of had, my, I had a little trouble getting my point across for my main idea of this uh, series that focuses on um, the positive aspect of researching the UFO phenomenon which has a lot to do with friendship, camaraderie, evidence, yes, uh, contacting, um, you know, an intelligent be- you know, entities or what. I mean, that would be absolutely amazing to do that. Um, but this is this, the story I ended with, and with, with this particular conversation. I'll, I'll tell you guys the same story. Because uh, uh, I had trouble getting my point across, and I said... Um, you know, one afternoon I was tired and I fell asleep in uh, my reclining chair. And when I woke up, uh, my daughter had colored in the lines of my tattoos. Like I've got a misfits tattoo here. Right. And so I, I had been outside working in the yard and I'm like, you know, I'm tired. I wake up and she had colored in the lines of this crimson ghost <laughs> pink and purple orange green yeah. you know yeah yeah and so um i said that's an, the the ufo genre programming is scaring the crap out of people that are not interested in it and until you let society color in the lines to their own liking until you allow society to make it their own the way that they understand it, which are things I've tried to promote in a lot of my videos that sometimes people think are dorkier, but you know, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, and, yeah, fuck and you, everybody. You, <laughs> 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 until you give society the freedom to color in the lines and paint this thing to their liking, then we're stuck. This is the phenomenon, and this is the way it's going to be. I mean, what do you see in these types of shows, right? No offense to anybody, but we only see predominantly Caucasian men, you know, kind of like like us, I guess, you know. Um, (laughs) Military background, scientific background, very serious very pragmatic and the more awards the more badges the more credentials you know the more diplomas i mean it made the more serious you are the the more credible you look and that's cool too i understand at some point this this has there has to be a shift and i explained this to them as well and you know it's um what i'm trying to do um to a lot of people on both sides, sounds like a crazy, hokey idea. Why would anyone who's a fan of like reality-based TV want to tune into a UFO show, especially if they are creeped out by UFOs or don't like them? Right. They wouldn't. Why would anyone who loves um, 
Unidentified and uh, the Bob Lazar stories and uh, Hellier and, um, oh golly, Taken, the movie Taken, I think was a pretty creepy one, uh, or The Walking Dead, right? Why would people who gravitate to those types of, of TV shows and programming are not going to want to watch, you know, Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Right. Uh, you know, and I'm not suggesting making a UFO genre about the Kardashians. No. It but, might be, but, I mean, but here, so here, here's puns, the thing. I think so that there's another element to this oh. that I think that people don't even pay attention to, which is you have a lot of like archaeologists and academics and stuff saying, oh, ancient aliens is racist because now they see a large amount of people like Native American people or people of color or whatever the case may be paying attention to this thing, taking it seriously, and they think it's altering those people's perception of their own history of their people. So you have the people that say, oh, ancient aliens is racist, and they're, they're again, you have a, a lot of archaeologists online go after that show hard and, and constantly, um, uh, go, you know, make comments and different things. I think that you should put information out there. And if somebody wants to believe something, they can believe it. How is it any different than believing in this God or that God or this or that or the other people should be allowed to believe in what they want to believe. If there's an interesting show like ancient aliens and people look, I've said it a million times on the show. I like ancient aliens. It's entertaining. Do I in any way believe that aliens built any of the megalithic structures on earth? No, I do not. I think there's a possibility that maybe humans were inspired by something they saw or some yeah. sort of consciousness connection or something like that. I could get behind that. But this idea that aliens are popping in and out of this dimension or flying across the universe and, and levitating limestone blocks is just crazy to me why they would even mess with something like that. But, again, I, I believe everybody should be allowed to believe in what they want. And um, But, again, there's a bigger battle going on, which is uh, they're trying to censor even people thinking about these kinds of topics whether it be the ancient astronaut theory or even you see it on twitter and stuff even modern academics that somewhat study these things don't take it seriously in terms of um the gimbal video and the go fast and all these they they they, they're looking to debunk it they're not looking at it from like an objective scientific standpoint what could this be what is it it's more what can we, you know, what can we do to debunk this, or what can we do to mm-hmm. take take the uh, the air out of this whole thing? So again, True. I just wanted to point that out because you were talking about like popularity and stuff, and I do think that there is a growing popularity with like some of these topics. But again, mm-hmm. you mentioned it's whatever people are comfortable with, whether it's the ancient alien thing or the more modern mm-hmm. scientific version of it, or whatever the case may be. But I do think that there is some of this like. Uh, battle brewing under the under the waters, if you will. Yeah, totally. And there, um, it's in my opinion, it's going to take a type of grassroots movement to to get people thinking along those lines. It's, it's almost like uh, you know, I remember one time I was at a uh, some kind of dance, and there. Were, the guys were on one side, the girls were on the other side, and nobody wanted to be the first person to walk over and ask a girl to dance. And I cannot dance to save my life. Huh. <laughs> so, um, but I got tired of 
everyone just standing around. So I went up and asked the girl to dance and she said, no, but you know, <laughs> whatever. But then, but then it suddenly became okay for everyone to dance. And so then you have this, uh, this migration of both sides of guys and girls that were coming together. And, uh, again, you know, like, um, uh, I was at a, I was a, like a party and, um, no one wanted to be the first one to eat. So I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> so I'm I got hungry. in line. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I got in line, then it's okay for everyone to get in line. It's it's going to take someone to say it first for it to be okay. And possibly, you know, if if there could be someone listening to this interview right now that since I'm speaking about this, they're going to start mm-hmm. speaking about it too. They might actually have more connections than me. And they're going to get a series like this actually started. I will say, though, I do have a, uh, a, a copyright claim uh, for this idea. I have a pitch and a real uh, uh, log line, uh, all that kind of stuff you need for a series is packaged. I have char- uh, not character cast uh, bios. I've got an entire episode um, like schedule for, for a series of uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm ready to go, man. I nice. need. I just wish I had more time to make calls and make those connections because I have to do it in my free time, which is not very often. So there you go. Time is that only commodity we can't gain. So uh-huh. we all we feel you on that. We are doing a uh, like a like a mini pilot episode soon. Um, I can't exactly say how soon because there are a lot of people's schedules that have to line up. Um, you know, it's not going to have a lot of the bells and whistles that, um, that I've planned, but it's simply to show people what something like this would look like, you know? Sure. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, let's wrap it up here. Anything else you want to add or, um, Check out the documentary. Yeah, it's, what time's that coming out tomorrow? Yeah, yeah do you tomorrow. know? Yes, it's tomorrow. I'm gonna at least have. A, I had a little bit of trouble getting it, getting it half. I wanted to have half and then half uh, next week, but I think what I'm gonna have to ha- have to do um, because I, I don't want to have. Um, it, it's important that it's concise and complete, and it's and that it's unified. Um, so in order. For conciseness, for completeness, for understanding, I'm going to have three parts, and so part one will be tomorrow, and it's okay. uh, between tw- between twelve and fifteen minutes long. So I'll be drop on your that YouTube tomorrow. on your YouTube yeah. channel, and okay, YouTube channel. we have his YouTube mm-hmm. channel below the video. If you want to click on that and subscribe to his channel, definitely do that. Um, and anything else you want to plug? Uh, well, the, oh, what's the, the name? What's the name of the documentary? Just so people know. A quest. Sorry. Uh, a quest for answers. The Hector Jusino story. Jusino okay. is um, J U S I N O. Hector Jusino. Okay. A quest Beautiful. for answers. The Hector Jusino story. Do you guys have a chat open right now? Yeah. Somebody like, was yeah. asked. That's what somebody was asking. Awesome, man. Ask anybody what time they want uh, part one of the documentary to drop tomorrow, and uh, like you know, relative to a time zone, I'll do it. I'll let somebody out there pick because I can go either way, anytime. I would just say, do you, have you used that Premiere feature on YouTube yet? 
that's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. Okay. So if uh, if you if, if anybody wants to chime in with the time, I'll do it. I say do it between two and three. They say because by the time people get off work and stuff, it sure. it's uh it's ready to um, roll. Pacific, uh, Pacific I would do it your time zone. I would probably do it at uh, three o'clock. Three o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sure. Yep. All right. I'll I'll upload it and then have it queued to premiere tomorrow at uh, at three p.m. Eastern. All right. Very All right, good, guys. sir. So check out uh, Matt's uh, YouTube channel. Like I said, we have the link down below. Subscribe. Check out his website. We have the link there as well. Um, also, you can check us out at Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice for $2 a month. You'll get exclusive content, uh, interviews, and video. And uh, check out our website at Mike and Maurice We are on all social media platforms. Again, if you're listening to it, us on uh, audio platform, please subscribe. And uh, that's it. Thanks again for coming on, Matt. And uh, we'll have you on again in the future. And uh, cool. Definitely looking forward to watching your documentary. Uh, last thing, I got to give uh, props and thanks to Paraterrestre. Uh, this is Paraterrestre. They're a YouTube channel. Uh, we're, we're collaborating and exchanging information about Puerto Rico and where to go from there. I have plans to go to Puerto Rico this summer and do some document, uh, documenting with Hector and Paraterrestre and some other contacts I have down there. And I hope to have that stuff out uh, in th this fall. Hopefully this fall, everything will be together. So. Awesome. awesome. Sounds good. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Take care. You too. See you guys. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Peace. Take care. Cheers.